Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Next up, Conscious Parenting with Sandra and family. Let's bring Sandra on to reintroduce themselves, the show, and what's up for today. Welcome back. Thank you so much. We're happy to be here. As Nicole said, I am Sandra Jones-Keller, and I'm a Conscious Parenting Coach. Joining me today are my husband, Thomas, and my daughter, Mecca. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hi. <laughs> so we're broadcasting live here on News for the Soul Radio, so email your questions to ontheair at telus.net or call in to 646 646- Five nine five four two seven four. Maybe you have questions about discipline or bedtime or tantrums. Whatever is on your mind, we'll do our best to answer it. So go ahead and email your questions to be answered live on the air. You've got me, my husband, and our 17-year-old daughter. So if you want to hear the uh, thoughts of a 17-year-old, now is your chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be discussing Lesson 9, Wait a minute, why did, why did we just laugh when you brought that up about a 17-year-old? Well, you know, because sometimes you may not like what you're going to hear. Sometimes she may or not may not feel like talking, or sometimes it's completely surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always an adventure. And sometimes she may not really talk, but then I read something she's written, and I'm blown away. Yeah. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even though she may not talk about what she's feeling, um, she feels a lot, and she feels very deeply. And when she's writing, she expresses it very well. Mm-hmm. So that's why we laugh. Okay. <laughs> and so today we are going to be discussing Lesson 9, Goals versus Intentions, from my 21 Lessons to Empower, the New Age Kid Workbook. So go ahead and follow along. If you have a workbook, and if you don't have this awesome family resource yet, where can you get it? You can get it on Amazon. Yes, that's 21 Lessons to Empower the New Age Kid. And I love this workbook because it's easy to use and it teaches your kids life skills that extend beyond the classroom. And we're also going to talk about learning to drive in different teaching styles. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, another great thing about this book is if you have a child who is not a big talker, mm, Yeah, it's a way to uh, begin some conversations and kind of at least get the thoughts to ruminating in the family. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a, yes, that's a great reminder um, because, you know, those of you who have kids, some are, some are very talkative and some are very introspective. Yes. And so we have a very introspective daughter. So. We do. Her mode of expressing her feelings is through writing. Not just talking. Talking is she's not a she's a woman of few words, <laughs> except for when she feels like talking. Right. Yeah. And then she just no, 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 no. And so what's actually great about uh, Twenty One Lessons is Mecca developed this workbook, built it for her homeschool co-op a few years ago, and she helped me work through some of the lessons. She came up with topics that I wouldn't have even thought about. She wanted to talk about boardship and time management and stuff. Something about anger. Yeah, there's a anger part one and part two, and we talk about the different forms of anger and then how to release anger in a productive manner. 
Yeah, that's very cool. So what are some of the benefits of this workbook? What do you think? Well, I think most number one benefit is that it is a source of conversation topics when you want to get a feeling of what your child thinks about mm. different traits and qualities and friendships and relationships. Yeah. And uh, it's a way to begin a conversation, and then you can share that conversation as you both give into it a little bit. And uh, who knows what evolves out of those things. And, you know, it was very surprising. I did the – I presented the workshop or some of the lessons to a middle school camp a few years ago, and I was blown away by the conversations that I had with these middle schoolers and the, the depth of which they were thinking and some of the frustrations that they had, you know, as middle schoolers, with their parents, with their teachers. And so it was great. And so it was a way for me to come back and then kind of ruminate on it and think about what they were saying and see if there were any things that I was doing that the kids were complaining about. And so I was able to clean up some stuff from conversations that I had with other kids. So it's quite interesting. There you go. Yeah. Excellent. And so what else do you like? So, you know, these topics will help them, your teens and tweens, help them recognize and manage their emotions and teach them the power of their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have them begin to think about their internal intuitive nature and maybe even give them the language to express what they are in intuiting inside, outside to you as yeah. a parent. And it shows kids how powerful they are through their thoughts and words, and they begin to recognize yeah. that they are actually creating their life. Mm-hmm. When they start breaking down, like one of the lessons is affirmations. So when they start talking, when I start talking about affirmations, and they see that, oh, an affirmation isn't just simply something that you say, like, oh, I am powerful, I am wonderful, but an affirmation are all of the things that you repeat over and over and over in your head. And for most people, the majority of those thoughts are negative. Right. And so once you start looking at that and realizing it and then saying, wow, all of these thoughts are creating my experience in the world. So then kids have the tools to begin to see how to change their life. You know, you start by changing your thoughts, you change your beliefs. Yeah, and adults too. Absolutely. And ultimately, it provides tools to navigate and succeed in the world. Absolutely. You know, I love this workbook. So once again, we are broadcasting live on News for the Soul Radio. Mm -hmm. Email your questions to ontheair at telus.net or call in to 646-595-4274. Whatever is on your mind, like I said, we'll do our best to answer it. So I wanted to talk about Lesson 9 from the workbook, Goals Versus Intention. What's the difference? Okay, so usually people think, of, well, isn't a goal and an intention the same? Well, they're very similar. They are both something that you plan or intend to carry out, an aim or desired result. So, like, maybe what are some of your goals? So, like, as a teen or as a parent, you know, like our goal or our intention is to send our daughter to college. Um, to For a teen, it could be to make the school basketball, a track team. Teach them to drive safely. Teach them to drive safely. Uh, it may be to graduate. Yep. To become a professional athlete. Yeah. Maybe to be a veterinarian. So these are all kind of goals and things that we desire. And then how do you plan to meet your goals? So 
Like what? If you wanted to become a professional athlete, so then if you were looking at a goal, then what would you do? Well, you can uh, practice it. We, you, you would have to set times when you're going to practice it and maybe design to embody that, to imp- in, encourage that activity yeah, or to you, become better at it. Yeah, if you wanted to pass a test then you would study several hours a day, or if there was something that you wanted, yeah. you could remind your parents. So you break it down to steps. Those are goals? Yes. So now what do you think the, the difference between intention and goals are? What do you think? Well, off the top of my head, I would say intentions are a clear statement to myself, but then I do not figure out how to do it on purpose. And why is that? Why wouldn't you figure it out? Because what my mind can come up with is going to be nine, nine, nine out of ten times create much more coffee, much more energy expended and be more of a struggle in achieving that intention than what just trusting in the universe setting a clear intention and then watch what comes across your path and follow that instead of Laying out all the steps. Absolutely. Okay. That's so and that's, so that's I love that. So that is the difference between a goal and an intention. So goals are very specific and measurable. So you may have a goal to run ten laps a day, swim a mile, or lose five pounds in two weeks. Right. And then once you have your goal, then you set your task and specific actions to accomplish these goals. So you train every day, you go on a diet, etc. Right. So setting goals is a very linear process. process. Right. And so what is going on in the universe? We're expanding, right? Yeah. Just like we've got all this energy coming in. Right. We've got an 11-11 portal opening up. We have the Schumann residence. All of the we've got all of these things that are impacting humanity, expanding our consciousness, expanding the awareness. And so when you think of goals, then they're very third-dimensional. It's a very linear. Right. Uh, you're using your right, you know, your left brain. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of setting intentions, it's like what you said. You're tapping into your true self. You're tapping into the universe, and you're listening for inspired action. So they could be, action. so they could be very similar. Like your goal could be to lose weight, and so. You can set a goal of losing weight, and then normally what you would do is you would start looking at the best diet, Mm -hmm. or you would determine that I need to walk or swim or run Mm -hmm. a certain amount of time. But if it's an intention to lose weight, then you would set the intention, and then you listen for inspired actions. Internally. Internally. And then you allow the universe to bring you those things that support that because you may find out about a different way of eating that you've never considered. Right. Or maybe all of a sudden you're drawn to ice skating or swimming or something that you've never done. And so... That's the intention. Because your spirit, your higher self, whatever language you want to do knows much better how to have this mm-hmm. happen for you with less effort and less struggle Absolutely. and less thinking. Absolutely, because your intentions come from your heart and your intuition. And until you hear them, you don't really know right. what, 
how you're going to fulfill that certain thing, right? That's exactly right. You've got to be willing to be a little bit patient and listen internally. Yeah, because, you know, the power of attention, you tap into the unknown, and true miracles are actually available. Okay, so yeah. now, now we're going to kind of, I'm not switching gears, but we're switching gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about setting intentions and conscious parenting. Okay. Setting intentions can be very powerful parenting tool. Okay. And why is that? Because often we just don't <laughs> how to do something or how to get to where we And am I the only parent that has ever felt that way with their child? I know. What about you what about your parents out there? You know, you have these wonderful things you want for your kids and sometimes you just don't know how to do them. Absolutely. And so that's why I like the distinction of goals. And it's absolutely person. critical to get your child on board. Absolutely. If you set an intention and your child is not interested in that, or if you set an intention or a goal and your child is not mm-hmm. interested in that, that's going to create nothing but conflict and trouble down the road. Mm. Okay. So once again, we are broadcasting live on News for the Soul Radio. Email your questions to on the air at TELUS dot net or call in to six four six five nine five four two seven four. All right, before we jump into the next idea. What? Are there any questions? Have you emailed in any questions about what we just talked about? The difference between intentions and goals. And so remember this is the conscious parenting show and setting intentions is a very powerful way to parent. I mean we we set the intention, before I was even pregnant, we were in a new relationship, we set the intention to homeschool. Yes. We don't even know, at the time, we didn't even know why we set this intention. Uh, we didn't know how to do it, but we set a very clear intention of homeschooling if we ever had a child. Right, and because it just made sense to both of us. And it just felt, because it wasn't anything yeah. that I was thinking about, and it came to the heart. And from that intention, we have homeschooled Mecca 17, 17 years. years now. She's never been in a brick and mortar. And she's had a choice every year if she wanted to go to one or not. And apparently she likes <laughs> homeschooling as much as we do. Absolutely. Okay, Mecca, how do people reach us? Uh, Did she follow you can No. You can email <laughs> your questions to on the air at telus dot net. Or call in to six four six five nine five four two seven four. Thank you. And so with this show, I like to talk about we like to talk about things that happen to us and that we work through. Absolutely. I just agree. <laughs> so our daughter decided she was ready to learn how to drive. So she actually took driver's ed two years ago, mm-hmm. and then at that time we thought that she was going to drive, and then she said that she did not want to drive. And so just recently she said that she wanted to get her license by her 18th birthday, so we've been driving with her. And we had a 16, 15, 16-mile 16 drive between here and the ice skating rink. Driving with her, we drive on the street. And so you can drive her. 
Yes, I've started in the okay. last couple of weeks. You know, she wanted to drive my car, and yeah. she has been. And so, this, so what happened this week was, um, yeah, okay, so I was driving with her, and I, I pulled off. I'm like, okay, what do I pull off? She's like, oh, Daddy pulls off at this driveway. I'm like, huh? And this is like probably the halfway point. And so we pull into this very narrow dirt driveway that didn't even have, like, a real turnaround. I'm like, this is where he makes you turn around? She's like, yeah. And so we turn the car around, and um, we switch drivers. So Mecca gets in the driver's seat, and we're pulling out. I'm like, you can't even see. I'm like, what? I was, okay, so I was appalled at this place that you started having her drive this point. Fathers, dads, has your wife ever been appalled at a choice you've made with your daughter? I was, because, so one, it was a narrow dirt driveway. Two, it was a couple of blocks from a major intersection with cars turning left, with cars turning right, and with cars coming straight. And so you had to pull out to see the street, and then you've got all these cars. And so... I was upset because I felt that it was unsafe. And then I also felt that you could have gone, like, a couple of driveways down, and it would have been better. And so I totally made you wrong about you, you that. You tried. You tried. I tried because you were. No, 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 no. That's a part of this topic of conversation. Oh right so now. I, okay, so I, Nobody so, is ever wrong. Uh, Everything is a learning. Okay, so... I probably did not approach it very graciously when I said, basically, what the heck are you doing? Do you think I would have been surprised? <laughs> I knew, okay. listen, my my version of this story is my daughter decided she wanted to uh, drive with me. She'd been driving with mom in her car. And so halfway back from the ice rink, I pulled off on a side road, this quote-unquote dirt road. It wasn't and, a road, a driveway. And I thought, well, this is a fine place because there's no traffic, there's no subdivision, there's no people going to come up behind her and try to force her out on the road. She has all the time she wants. We turned around. She got in the car to start to drive. I all the time was monitoring her stress levels. She never exhibited any stress. Did you ask her, was this a comfortable spot for her to drive? I did not. Did she ever complain or act, act in any way? That's why I can, I read her body language. My child is not a big talker, but she explains through body language. She had no stress. How do you know she didn't have Because I watched her. I watched her do the whole thing. I watched her wait for the traffic. I watched her look at the back over her left shoulder at oncoming cars. I watched her pull out. And then this, we've done this three times from the same spot over the last few weeks. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. Okay, so Mecca. So, so wait a minute. You had a problem with that. I did. Mecca didn't have a problem well, with that, that, and I didn't have a well, problem that's with not that location. So, Mecca, were you comfortable with that location that he picked? It was fine. I could see through the bushes, so I could see when there were cars coming. <laughs> that's- yeah, baby, yeah. Okay, the bushes. Why do you have someone who's learning how to drive have to see through bushes? Listen, down here with all these planned communities, every time you pull out or in, there's a medium of foliage in between <laughs> the two different lanes of traffic. 
and you know how many people get hit crossing there. Everything has foliage down here. Yes, it does. And that's what we I watched her. She looked through one gap and saw the traffic, pulled up a little farther, and looked and could see the clear street and waited and then pulled out. So did it ever occur to you that maybe you could just go down a couple more driveways? Oh, no. no, absolutely not. It's because a, if I go down a few more driveways to a more paved driveway in a community, there's going to be people coming out of that community putting pressure on her just by a car being behind her that she doesn't have on this little dirt road. So, so seriously, like this was your whole thought process, or you just said, oh, let me just pull off and let her drive? Like did you actually think all of these I trust. I trusted <laughs> my spirit to pick the perfect oh, place. It was my intuition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so parents, you know. Hey, parents. You have two people. You have two people. You have mom. There is no two people together as parents that are exactly alike, that make the exact same choices and the same criteria. My wife would choose one spot. I would choose another. And it's not only just man and woman. It can be same man child. They're people are going to have two different decisions because no two people are exactly alike. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Defend my, yourself. My point was that you have someone who's learning how to drive, and so why not make it a little easier for them until they get comfortable? Now, wait a minute. You just asked her two minutes ago. Was Okay, so, so Mecca, when I found out about this turnaround spot that Daddy had been forcefully taking you to. <laughs> She's being melodramatic. So why did you ever just say, you know, I'm fine with it? Because you could tell that I was upset about it. Yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. I, yeah, I said I was fine with it. You did say you were fine with it? And I was just the yeah. only one that was upset with it? Yeah. Like, okay. So, so I rest my case. On. So had you been uncomfortable, would you have said something? Yeah. You would have. What would you have said? You're like, I. You're gonna make me drive here. Okay. Okay. Right. Now, so apologize and retract all of your insults. No. Your statements. You are coming at me like you're an attorney in a I have courtroom. nothing to apologize for. My whole point is that, so no, no, actually, that's not true, because I did acknowledge yesterday, as we were biking, I said something like I realized that I was the one that was upset about it. Right, I did exactly. so. That's your apology. Yeah, that's, but it wasn't live on air. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did acknowledge that because... But I was totally disturbed, and I felt like there could have been a much better place to put driver. I understand you were deser- uh, you were disturbed, well, but you were at home, and Mecca and I were driving. Well, I don't know how comforting that is. It's like she's got great skills. She's yes. very athletic and great. She can take a blade in the ice and jump up and do two spins in the land. Can she not drive? Hey, they, they, those are two very different things. Right, okay, we have some questions. questions. Thank goodness. Okay, get off this topic. <laughs> Go ahead. 
You can read my, that one. Oh, this is California. Sandra in California. And my 12-year-old daughter is having difficulty with a few classes at school. I describe their approach as assigning and teaching draconian old school. A lot of power for the kids. My daughter tends mm-hmm. to shut down around that approach, and as a result, her grades have been failing. Do you have any advice that could help her? Well, <laughs> yes. So Good. I can't wait to hear it. There is a reason. And we homeschool so that we can control how. But let's say. Thought, okay, hold on. Let me finish. Well, she doesn't have that option for you whatever reason. Hold on. Um, so that we can teach our daughter in a way that supports her. And so I don't know if your daughter is in public or private school or if you have the ability to change schools because I found that the way that they're teaching things is really more about testing than about actual educating. And so maybe there is at least a teacher in that school who is more aligned with how your daughter learns instead of, you know, being powered over having conversations and drawing the information out of the kids. So even if you can't change schools, you know, there's usually like one person, like that one teacher that everyone loves because they feel that they get the kids. Right. And that one teacher that's there to share knowledge and to, to teach how to think, to teach critical thinking. And so if you can't change schools, I would seek out to support your daughter because all kids learn very differently. All adults learn all differently. Even, I'm sorry, Sandra, I get what you're saying completely with so the old school draconian methods. Even nowadays, even professional football teams have uh, counselors and they and they study their own players to see how they react to different pressures or different ways of learning. And even on that level, they recognize that yelling or mm-hmm. manhandling a player won't work with every player. Mm -hmm. So these people that are in this school are way behind the times, and I don't know of a way to help them advance, but you you can only help your daughter advance, I suppose. Maybe you have to go in and advocate for your daughter because if she's the only one experiencing, I'm sure she's not the only one experiencing this. And so, you know, you be her advocate. Um, go in and talk to the principal, the vice principal, the the teacher. Um, sit in on the class if you can to see the, how they're instructing and then figure out a way that maybe you can be supportive of your daughter if you can't change her out of that classroom. Yeah, and, and even with this uh, old-style school, they may not get it. They may not get what you're saying. They just may not get it. And maybe there is some kind of alternative, as my wife is saying, of a different school mm-hmm. or a after-school program or something that is more gentler and encouraging in learning and not just pushing to learn. Yeah. And it's, it's not even pushing to learn. It's pushing to, tap, to, to pass these tests, which then 
have the school scores go up, then they become more highly academically rated because the kids are passing tests. So that doesn't mean that they're doing any critical thinking. Uh, So I hope that helped you. Thank you for your question, Sandra, in California. Okay, next we have Wendy in Ontario. I have twin eight-year-old boys. One of them is very passive and the other is quite aggressive with his brother and others, even at school. How do you recommend dealing with aggression as a conscious parent? Go ahead. Shall we drop the idea of mirroring? You have to. Okay. As a conscious parent, I know that everything, everyone that comes into my little world as a person is a reflection of my own consciousness. A lot of the things I see out of my children, my child, and my close friends, I like. A lot of them I feel indifferent about, and some of them I can't stand. But the fact that they can show up in my space and disturb me or frustrate, maybe they're gossipers or maybe they're just flat-out liars. I don't know what it is. But as I find that it's disturbing me, as a conscious parent, I must use something called mirroring, which means that this person in my world is showing me something that's very disturbing to me. I have to own that as there's a part of my consciousness that is a liar or that is a gossip. Or is that very aggressive in Or is case. very aggressive. Or is, and I got to forgive that energy in myself so it will dissipate because the bottom line is all my kid is showing me is me. Mm-hmm. And so I would, so Wendy, I would look to see what's going in, what's going on in your household, and who could be mirroring aggression mm-hmm. to your son, or aggression as a way of getting what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it could be a learned behavior where people find that if they try to overpower or bully, then that's a way to get recognition. It's a way to get attention. It's a way to get what they want. And so there's a lack of tools there when you feel like you need to bully someone else. And so I would just, you know, start with, I don't know if you're, married or if you have a partner, but if you um, are co-parenting, I would sit down with the other parent and really talk about the aggression and then own up to where that aggression is in the household because... Well, you know, say it even more directly, where that aggression is, is in me. Is in you or your partner or whatever... But you can't going. blame your partner because if they're being aggressive... That's two people in the family showing you your own aggression. And so that's where that's where you start so that your son can begin to heal and release this so that they don't grow up to be a bigger bully and then grow up to be an adult who tries to bully other people to get what they want. And the really the real beauty of this, Wendy, is Sandra my wife and I have been doing this uh, for the last 20 years since we learned about it, and it works. It works. What happens is if my child showing me aggression and it disturbs me, I will now 
go in whenever by, my, by myself and reflect on it. Where is this aggression or frustration or whatever? Where is this in me? And then I just forgive myself for that. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when I actually really do that and I can feel the change, my child will just change without ever having to say a word to the child. Mm-hmm. They'll change because your energy has changed. And we've watched this happen in our family with our friends time and time again. And so Thomas talked about mirroring. And so the flip side of mirroring for me is in the forgiveness work. So I'm seeing this behavior. I'm seeing the aggression. So now what? So I forgive it within myself. And I use a process called Ho'oponopono. Uh, which is an ancient Hawaiian forgiveness technique, and you can look it up. Dr. Hugh Lynn brought it into modern times. But it's four simple phrases. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. And so you're saying this to that inner child in yourself, to that part of you that is hurt, that part of you that is holding on to aggression so that you can start cleaning and breaking down this energy so that your children don't have to be either aggressive or passive because it's interesting you have one is passive and one is aggressive so together it's passive aggressive (laughs) um so i would recommend doing your own forgiveness work to, to i mean and to own it to to look and see because maybe you haven't seen an aggressive side of yourself because you've been holding it in. So just because you may contain it or hold it in or not express it in that way doesn't mean that it's not there. And energy is energy. So maybe you don't yell and scream at other people, but there's this energy boiling up inside of you that you haven't let out. So that's why this work, they're they're easy techniques, but they require you to dig deep, to really be blatantly honest with yourself about what's going on because the universe puts people in front of us so that we can actually see ourselves. I remember um, I used to say to Thomas, you know what, I was good and peaceful until, you know, we got into this relationship. But, yeah, I was hanging out with my dog. So it was easy to be peaceful, and it was easy to say, oh, I'm chill when there is no one before me being a mirror. And so that's what relationships do, whether they're uh, spousal, whether they're child parent, whether they're siblings. It's an opportunity for us to give forth those things in ourselves that are ready to be healed. And evolve our consciousness. And evolve our consciousness. And what I love, uh, one of the things I love about my wife when it comes to this mirror work is that when she is being, something is being reflected to her that disturbs her and she cannot see it in herself, she will just, when she's by herself, say something like, okay, I am willing to yep. see this. I am willing to see yeah. this. I'm just, and then just hang in with that energy and don't force it too much. And it will be revealed, right? Yeah, because sometimes I'm appalled by what I am seeing. <laughs> I know. We've been doing this a long time, so we can laugh. Because it's not funny sometimes. And it's like I can't possibly 
yes. be doing that. And so then, like Thomas says, you know, I just I just say I'm willing, and then I'll get these aha moments, and it's like, oh, that's where that is in me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I never, I never saw it like that before, until I see it in you or in right. someone else. Someone does something. So, so on, Terry. I mean, so you, so Wendy, you are so blessed. You have two <laughs> eight-year-old boys that are just showing you all of your consciousness. And That's can, a lot of information. All three of you can evolve <laughs> together. Okay. Next, we have Sally in Chicago. I've been thinking about homeschooling for my two kids for some time, weighing the pros and cons. My first question would be, is it possible to raise kids as a conscious parent while still allowing them to attend public school? The other question which caused me to hesitate on choosing homeschooling is the social factor. Do homeschooled kids lack in that area? Well, I am, we are huge proponents of homeschooling because we have homeschooled our amazing daughter from the very beginning. And so... I'm just going to break down your question. So the social factor. Um, my daughter is an ice skater. She participates in different activities. She has a, a few close friends, not a lot. When we move down there, down here where we presently live, how many homeschooling organizations were there? There were a few. We met all of our They're friends who were like, yeah, homeschoolers of Collier County or something. Can have 20, 50, a couple hundred kids. Yeah, so there are homeschool groups, there are homeschool outings, like if you live in a city, uh, most major organizations like theaters and science and uh, kids' uh, museums and stuff have like a homeschool day. So there's there's lots of things to do as a homeschooler. We used to do a lot of field trips. So social factor, find something that they enjoy doing, and they, they do it, and they meet their friends. They meet their friends through um, the homeschool groups yeah. or other things. That's where to okay. get started, absolutely. Okay, so now, I've been thinking about homeschooling. My first question, would it be possible to raise kids as a country parents while still allowing them to? So I would say yes. You can still raise your kids as a conscious parent, and you do have a lot of outside force influences that you don't have um, as a homeschooler, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible. You would really just want to be very grounded in your values and what you want to create and who you want them to be as human beings. And then keep that, like, forefront in your mind because you do have, you've got the peer pressure. You've got all these social media and outside influences and school shootings and just a lot of things that are going on. Um, and so you would really, I would think, you would just really need to be grounded in the foundation of your own values and what you want to create. Another question? Do homeschool kids lack that area? And so now then you said, do homeschool kids lack in that area? Some do. In what area? Social factor. Some do and some don't. But it's just like in any other environment, you've got kids in public and private school that lack mm -hmm. social skills. Um, so it can go either way. So that was my three cents. What do you want to say? I want to say um, uh, being a conscious parent while your children go to public school, I believe it's absolutely possible, yes. And it will make you, as the parent, a more grounded, as my wife said, a more focused, a more clear, and a stronger conscious parent. 
because when your children come home, they might tell you this, that happened today, and this, and you can say things, well, you know, that's because they don't know what we're talking about here. They don't have this information about relationships and marrying or whatever, but you can still go to school and love them and be kind or however you choose to be, regardless of how they are. And I absolutely believe you can do it. You can go into any environment mm-hmm. as a conscious person and be stay conscious. Absolutely. Just by your focus. Absolutely. Thank you, Sally, in Chicago. Next we have Danielle in the U.K. Go ahead. Danielle in the, in the U.K. I love the idea of conscious parenting and so wish I'd been in a place to do that when I was raising my kids. Now they are grown and have children of their own. So my question is, how can I approach my kids about conscious parenting? And who, and do you have a book out yet of conscious yeah. grandparenting? Uh, absolutely. That's so one. that's a great question. And my book is called Tips and Trips of Parenting a New Age Kid. And it's a series of essays from zero to 15 of how we have consciously and sometimes unconsciously raised our daughter, but it gives you insight into how we work through problems. And it's not just for parents. It's for grandparents. It's for educators. It's for anyone who is looking for a conscious approach with these amazing old souls that are coming through. And where do they get that book? They can get that on Amazon. It's called Tips and Trips of Parenting a New Age Kid. It's available as an ebook or a paperback. And if you just get the ebook, you can have it within minutes. And some of the stories are fascinating. Some of them are fun. Some of them are like, what were they thinking? Um, but it's really us just bearing our hearts to share how we've handled things like bedtime tantrums, um, eating, mm-hmm. self-regulation. And so a lot of our teachings are about teaching her to self-regulate. So there's a whole story about letting her self-regulate her sugar at 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And people thought we were crazy. But it, like, it made sense to us. And as you read through the story, it's like, oh, yeah. And then the creative way in which we dealt with her bedtime when she was four years old and how we dealt with feeding when she was an infant. So it goes from zero to 15 years old, and it's got original illustrations, which were beautifully done by my husband Thomas, and it's got pictures, so you can actually sit down with your grandkids and go through the book because it's got pictures, and they can look, and if they're young, they can look and say, oh, look at Mecca, she looks mad here, or look at what's going on here. And so it's just a fun way to absorb information to help you start thinking of a different way of grandparenting. Yes, and Danielle, I can only commend you because you are on the fast track of <laughs> consciousness. You're taking on your children and your grandchildren right. with conscious parenting. You are going to get so much mirroring information coming back to you, you'll evolve quickly. You know what? I'm glad you said that because you made me think of something else. And so, Danielle, because you are the grandparent and not the parent, I would suggest that you use mirroring, just like we've been talking about, 
So if you see something going on with your grandkids, I don't know how receptive your son or daughter would be to say, well, that's not the conscious way to do it. If you see something going on in front of you, you do your mirroring work. You start doing what you're seeing because it's in front of you. And so when each of us heals our own being, we contribute light and love to the world. And so, parent, you still have a lot of influence in just giving up and letting go of, and that impacts your children. So thank you, Danielle. Mecca, how can people reach us? You can email your questions to on the air at net or call in to 646-595-4274. Thank you. Okay, now we have one from <clears throat> Julian, Florida. You want to read that? I love your show and wish it was like this years ago when I attempted to be a more conscious parent. My question is actually about my daughter, who is now a mom. She's been letting electronics be freely available to keep her four-year-old daughter <laughs> calm and occupied. How many times have we heard yeah, I this? Know. Calm and occupied, but I'm worried about the long-term effects. Well, what the long-term effects might be. Mm-hmm. She always, she's always got an iPad or iPhone in her hand all day long. Could you? Oh. How would you approach this, and how should I approach it with my daughter? God so, bless Mecca, you, Julie. Mecca, what is the name um, of this that you uh, well, that you told us before? Like toddler age, but iPad kids. They're called iPad Kids. And what's an iPad Kid? It's pretty much what it sounds like. It's a kid who's always on their iPad. And so, Julie, they're always on their iPad because that was the choice that they were given. And so you're the grandmother. So how would you approach it with my daughter? Very delicately. (laughs) A boatload of mirrors. Yeah. Because uh, some parents have trained their kids mm-hmm. to use the video screen for whatever reason, and the child has not learned mm-hmm. any skills in coping yeah. in occupying themselves without a video screen, and the child is clueless mm-hmm. and skillless, and yeah, it's a tough adjustment. And so... Where where I think I would start if I was the grandparent is when you're with your daughter, begin to notice how much she's on her phone or how much she's on her electronics, usually the phone. Like can she actually be present with you? Because I see people like out to dinner or out to having coffee and they're both on their phones because people are so uncomfortable or so comfortable checking out, mm-hmm. like whatever's on Facebook is more important than the person in front of them. And so I would begin with how is the time that your daughter is spending with you? Is she on her phone? Is she present? And if you notice that she's not present, then I would address it from that perspective first of like, well, you know, I've noticed that it's hard to have a conversation with you, that you're always on your phone. And so I would begin there and then also look at, are you always on your phone? 
are you relating to your daughter or are you just checking out? So you begin with, are you present? And then talk to your daughter about, is she present? Before you even broach the situation with the granddaughter, that's kind of how I would handle it. What do you think, Thomas? I think the very same thing. Uh, you, and I just make a side note here. You don't have to have a video screen or a phone in your hand. Do not be present. <laughs> that's true. You can just be in your own mind to self-absorb with your own thoughts. And in that case, you might as well have a video <laughs> screen in front of you because you are not there with the other person. Mm-hmm. And everything's going to be a reflection of your own consciousness. Yeah, so to start really learning to be present, with the people that you're with, and then uh, then as the mother realizes that, because I've seen parents, you know, sitting there with their kids, and they're on their device. The kid is, like, sitting there having French fries, and the parent has the phone up to their face. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen as soon as the kid has a phone? The kid's going to have their phone up to the face. Yeah. That's <laughs> not, that's, I mean, conscious parenting is being aware of your own thoughts, our own thoughts, and dealing with that or changing yeah. them and being awake. Yeah. Go ahead. Thank you, Julie in Florida. Rose in New York. I became aware of the conscious parenting concept when my son was 12. While I started to learn and practice the concepts from then on, I am worried about how much damage I did with negative programming before, during his first 11 years of life. Is it possible to undo things from before? I would say yes. Start forgiving. Forgive. Forgive, forgive, and then forgive some more. Right. I agree 100%. And have you not changed with the work you do in oh, spiritual work? Absolutely. Have I not completely yes. changed myself and my life mm-hmm. with my spiritual work? So, yes, you can change everything, everything, just everything and you, you know, can. And, Rose, you may need to do some apologizing. You may need to own up to some things that maybe were very unconscious. But just start cleaning it up and just talk to your son. It's like, you know, I realized that when I did X, Y, and Z, I was totally rude. I you. I was not present. Whatever it is, start owning it, forgiving it in yourself, and then that energy will start dissipating and your kid will be able like, to start letting it go. And just one final caveat, Rose, for me uh, is that – uh, guilt, feeling mm-hmm. guilty yes. is a way for your ego to trap you absolutely, and make you not change. Yeah, absolutely. So what you did before you were on to a conscious parenting path is exactly what you were meant to do and each and every one of us is meant to do. We One of the big tenets of evolving our consciousness is to release guilt mm-hmm and know that what we did is exactly what we were supposed to do in that moment, and what we're doing now is exactly what we're supposed to be doing in this moment. Two very different things. So try not to let guilt Mm -hmm. ruin your uh, growth. Well, the guilt is what keeps you stuck, and so forgive the guilt. Forgive the guilt? Forgive Forgive it. it Forgive it. Forgive it all. And sometimes, you know, we've had issues that keep recycling that we think we've handled. And it's like, dang it, here we are again. And so it's like an onion, though. We just keep going deeper 
and deeper with our own forgiveness work so that we can get to the point of when this certain thing comes up or when it's mentioned, it's like, you know, we're at peace. And so, and then Rose, so I mentioned my book, Tips and Trips of Parenting a New Age Kid, and I love this book because it kind of gives you permission to not be perfect. Because Thomas and I have been on this journey for, I've been on my own spiritual path for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And you've been on your own path. And so as you read the book, you can see that sometimes we're not conscious. Mm-hmm. But our overall intention is conscious parenting. So even when we do things that are not conscious, it's like, whoa, did I really just say that? Did I really just do that? It's like I'm able to see it eventually, sometimes pretty quickly, but, you know, maybe a few days. Own up to it. It's like, wow, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. And make a commitment to be better, to do better. So conscious parenting does not mean that you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that your kid doesn't ever get pissed off at you or your partner. It means that your intention, we talked about intention at the beginning of the show, that your intention is to be this person that your kids can count on, that you are treating them like the divine being that they are, that you're fostering an environment for them to grow and discover their life purpose and who they are and what they've come here to do. And inside of that, there's life and it gets messy. The conscious parenting does not mean that you don't make mistakes. Yes, be willing to make a mess and yes. then, then clean it up because that's the only way Absolutely. we can evolve and grow all of us. And uh, that's just it. We're near the end of the program, so I'd just like to make one statement. My daughter has become a magnificent driver, whether she's with me, her dad, or her mom. You just had to throw that in. Thank you, Rose in New York. You just had to throw that in, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, callers. Uh, great show, wonderful questions. And so... I have two workshops to support you on your conscious parenting journey. So not only do I have books, but I have workshops on passionate parenting in this new age, three mistakes even conscious parents make that create power struggles, stress, and anxiety, and how to avoid them. And this virtual workshop is perfect for parents looking to reduce power struggles, stress, and anxiety with their tweens and teens. And with this workshop, you'll learn tools to foster more peace, passion, cooperate, and joy. And DIY mindfulness for teens and tweens. Students learn and practical mindfulness concepts for everyday life. Topics will help them organize and manage their and teach the power of their thoughts. And they'll also gain tools to help them regulate and ease stress and anxiety. Both of these virtual workshops are self-guided so that you can do them at the time and pace that works for you. Go to my website. SandraJonesKeller.com on the Courses Books page to register for these life-changing classes. Once again, I've got Tips and Trips of Parenting and New Age Kids and 21 Lessons to Empower the New Age Kid to also support you on your conscious parenting journey. Those books are available in paperback and in ebook so that you can start right away. So thank you. We've come to the end of our show. Thank you, my darling husband, 
for your contribution. And our darling daughter. Thank you, Mecca, for joining me today. The Conscious Parenting Show is live the second Friday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern here on News for the Soul Radio. And please visit News for the Soul Radio archives for more enlightening show and tell all your friends. So this was actually our 19th show, so you've got plenty of content to go back to, listen to, to support you on your conscious parenting journey. So SandraJonesKeller.com to get the books. And until next time, happy parenting. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show.